Hey everybody, welcome in. Jim and Trent, we say hello to you here on a Thursday in the capital city on the Big Talker 1700. Trent, uh, look, I, I know that you're like grinding and grinding and grinding on all of these high school baseball games, and you're doing Little League baseball as well. Do you ever sleep? That's that's my question. I Because I, you look tired sometimes when you come in. Do you ever get any sleep, pal? Uh, not a whole lot. And, you know, I got home last night, watched a little baseball, watched some Sports Center, and, and was flipping around. But you get home after calling, and it was a great game. The nightcap last night, Urbandale came back against Marshalltown and got the victory. Wonderful baseball game, but it, it's difficult to come back down from it. And, I, you know, I, I, what I should have done, I should have stopped and had a beer or two, you know, somewhere on my uh-huh. way home. Yeah, I hit up downtown. Yeah, something. yeah, just to do something like that because I was still wired and I didn't didn't see the back of my eyelids till after one thirty. Well, the wake up call comes at <laughs> six thirty, and here we go again, another here day. We go so, again. <laughs> yeah, the the days are all very much blending together. Yeah, a couple more uh, here coming up today with uh, little league baseball. Looking forward to that out in Grandview, and you'll be able to see that. Uh, on Mediacom coming up here as uh, they'll have the production finished with that and on the air in a couple of days. But going to be great fun out there. Love calling baseball. Tomorrow we got two more games here on 1700. We'll have an abbreviated show just until 5 o'clock as it'll be a doubleheader starting at 5. Game 1 will be those Urbandale Jayhawks as they match up against Western Dubuque and then the nightcap at 7.30 West Des Moines Valley against Cedar Rapids, Washington, who pulled the big upset yesterday in beating Johnston. So we'll have you covered with that, Jimmy B. Saturday's the championship, and then Sunday, well, I'm going to hope that the family doesn't have a whole lot planned because I want to <laughs> sleep in on Sunday and get a little rest. I don't blame you, pal. I don't blame you. This has been a tough week for you, and and you definitely deserve that opportunity to just chill for a little bit. Look, I can identify uh, working nights like that. You just cannot come home and turn it off. You can't. It takes you a couple of hours to start to unwind a little bit, especially when you're calling exciting action. Your mind just doesn't shut down. People say, well, just go home and go to bed. Right. No, your mind doesn't shut off like that. I've Trust me, I know all about that. Here's the uh, the one thing, though, and I, w- I was dying to ask you this, and I'll do it here on the show okay. instead of waiting in, waiting in private. Uh, last night when you got home, did you happen to flip on any of the Oakland A's game or the game in Colorado at all? Did you happen to see the finishes of those games? I didn't see the the one in Colorado, though I did see uh, Bregman going crazy and being upset about things. But, no, I wasn't watching that one. I did flip over, though, a little bit to was it Oakland White Sox, right? Because Yes. Well, you know the reason for it, right, Jimmy B? Take a, take a guess the reason that I was dialed into that. Uh, Hawk Harrelson? No, I, I despise him. Oh, oh, no, it, oh, it wasn't oh. that. It wasn't Otani. It wasn't Trout. It wasn't even Albert uh-huh. Pujols. I, I had yeah. a little something, something laying on the game. So, ah, yeah, uh-huh. had an investment. I hope it was on the A's. I hope it was on the A's. <laughs> uh, what, what another comeback out of the A's? Oh, you were saying Oakland. I thought you meant Anaheim. I'm sorry. No, I, I was not on that game. I was watching White Sox Anaheim, and uh, that's the side. Oh, that okay. I was no, I did see the comeback from Oakland, but. Chris Davis just hitting bombs all over the place. Over everywhere. And Jimmy B, what did I tell you going into the All-Star break? I made that future wager on those Oakland Athletics. Uh, You did. 80-1 to to win the World Series. Yeah. Again, as I told you at the time, I don't think Oakland's winning the World Series. It's a fun story. But this is is an investment in the future. When you play the futures market like I do, you see an 80-1 ticket, you grab it because that means – 
in the one-game wild card, you can hedge that bet and at least make a profit out of it. And if they do advance on, you can make a bet against them in the division. Now you're taking away the amount of money that you'd win on that 80-1 bet if they would go, go on, but you can find a way to make a profit in it. See, it's all about shopping, Jimmy B, and, and you got to do those things when you're trying to eke out a, a gambling living. You are the king of shopping, I'll tell you, when it comes to things like that. Now that's my Me wife. On the my other my hand, wife is the king. She's the queen of I shopping. Get, I, I get lost in the grocery store. I, I, I do. I mean, I went looking one time for crackers, you know, the kind of crackers that you like to put in your soup? Yeah. Those little soup crackers? Yeah, yeah. So I'm, stand, I'm standing in the cracker aisle, and I'm walking up and down the freaking aisle, and there's no those little soup crackers anywhere. I'm there for like 10 minutes thinking, God, am I blind? I Look, I know I'm old, but I still see pretty well. And I keep looking and looking. Finally, Trent, I went and I asked somebody, and very nice lady. She says, oh, I'll take you where they are. They're over by the soup. Why would they put them in the soup? It's a cracker. Okay. I, I, I understand your frustration. It's, it's, a, it's a cracker. You say crackers, I'm going to go to the... The, the I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the cracker aisle. It's a cracker. I'm not going to the soup aisle. I'm going to the cracker aisle. It's a cracker. So anyway, we had a nice laugh over that, and she thought I was a dumbass. And I said, "Okay, thank you very much." And I and I left after that. She nailed it. She absolutely <laughs> she did, nailed she it. Did, she did. She did nail it. Speaking of nailing it, you know, I, I I wonder sometimes, and you know, I've been in the business a long time. I, I've known a lot of columnists for newspapers, and now people have blogs and their online si- uh, sites and everything like that. But, Trent, I cannot get over, and I'm, I'm not going to get into the, the Cubs and the Arizona Diamondbacks today. I want to get into what this columnist did with a hatchet job on Joe Madden today. Now, I, I forget who it is and what paper. Maybe you've got it there. You I can do. call it up. Yeah, okay. it's uh, the Chicago Sun-Times and Rick Morrissey, yeah. who, uh, well, he, he likes to rile things up, as most columnists do. That's their job. Yes. And, and I'm good with that. But why are you doing a hatchet job on the manager when they're in first place in their division and they're only a year and a half or two years removed from winning the World Series, and they're going to be back in the playoffs again this year. Why? Why? What would be the purpose of that? It's a great I, question. I don't understand it. Yeah, late July. Yeah, I mean, you're you're hitting the yeah. I mean, the the dog days of August are going to be upon us before we know it, and you still got two months of baseball when you hit August first, which is incredible right. to think of of the regular season still that much time left. Madden is a, a derisive figure, and he does things differently. I personally like it. Yes. And it's funny, actually, earlier today uh, during Ken and my show over the noon hour, we were talking about uh-huh. this fact. I'm a Madden fan, and I like the day-to-day things. I, I was entertained when he's bringing in position players as they're getting beat. Right. And we talked about yep. Monday night. A little bit surprising in a 7-1 game, but it made sense. I, I think I get more frustrated, actually, with the Cubs organization as a whole, not with Madden in the day-to-day, but actually with what they do in the front office. And I get Theo and Jed building a winner here after what, obviously, we saw Theo Epstein do in Boston before that. He's a Hall of Famer as, as a baseball front office guy. Mm-hmm. But some of the day-to-day decisions that they have, you know, this goes to today, as Chris Bryant gets put back on the DL. Why right. rush him back? I mean, that one... 
is still head scratching. You're going into the all-star break. Instead of just letting him rest that shoulder a little bit longer, do a rehab then after you get through the all-star break, they rushed him back, and here he is back on the DL again. That's a move. Having Farrell pitch and be the starter the other night, when you have a couple of, of guys that have at least been decent in the past, you know, we saw the, the guy that's been with the Iowa Cubs, I can't think of his name now offhand, came up, made a nice start. And uh, uh-huh. that you have an opportunity like that. Casey Coleman, who's been back, throw that guy out there instead of starting Farrell. The day-to-day operations with the front office at least, at least leave me scratching my head more than what Madden does on a day-to-day basis. I'm with you on that, and I, I think on the Bryant thing, sometimes players will walk in and say, hey, Skip, I'm good. Mm-hmm. I'm good to go now. I feel great. So that could have taken place, and so they put him back in the lineup. And then it just started to get, you know, bad again. So uh, sometimes you get fooled by the player, and that may have been the case. I'm just throwing that out there as a happenstance, maybe. But for me, the Cubs are loaded with offensive talent. We know that. And having Bryant down for the next two weeks, okay, get him healed up and get him ready for the stretch beginning in August and then into September. I, I, I get that. But you've got the lead in the Central. And, I mean, all you're really doing is fending off the Milwaukee Brewers at the moment. So from that aspect of it, Trent, I I don't know why. I I tried to wrap my head around why that columnist would just go after Madden. Prima Donna, everything's about Joe. Okay, if they were 10 games under five hundred. And five games off the pace that the Milwaukee Brewers were setting, maybe you got an argument. But I don't see how you have an argument for that right now. For me, it was just for clicks, and that's it, as far as I'm concerned. And I hate it when guys do that. Oh, I'm just going to write something disparaging because I can and see how many clicks I get. I, I, look, I, I've gone after people on this show. Lord knows I've, I've had my fair share of that. But I don't do it for clicks. I do it because that's the way I feel about it at that time. If this guy doesn't like Madden, maybe Madden turned him down for an interview. So he got his panties in a bunch and decided to do a hatchet job on him. We don't know that. But, I I mean, I just looked the other way from the article, and it's just one guy, uh, I think, just trying to get a few clicks on a website. That's it. Rick Morrissey, the article is over at the Sun-Times if you want to take a look at it. We'll get into a little bit more baseball here later in the program today as we got a busy show lined up for you. Ken Silverstein will be by. He was in Chicago for Big Ten Football Media Day. We'll talk with Ken, some Big Ten football conversation coming up here this afternoon. Also, ESPN Zubin Mahente will be here and talked with Zubin earlier in the week, Jimmy B. You'll have to ask him. Uh, he got to meet Keith Oberman, who did... Sports Center on Sunday, and I don't know if you saw it, but I thought he did a great job. Politics uh, aside, I really yeah. enjoyed it. And, and Oberman, as long as he's staying out of the politics, and, and it doesn't matter what side you're on, Jim, you know what side I'm on, it doesn't matter. I, I want Oberman just sticking to sports. And, and frankly, he's done a nice job of that uh, since he's come back to ESPN and did a great job on Sports Center. So you'll have to uh, get the story from Zubin on that one. I, I thought really cool. Also, some NFL talk coming up today is. 
28 of the 32 teams have begun training camp now in the NFL, and Andrew Garda is going to stop by. We'll talk with him a lot of NFL. It's a busy show as we take you up until 6 o'clock here to this evening. Back with more on the other side, it's Jimmy B and TC. And welcome back, everybody. We roll till 6 o'clock tonight right here on the Big Talker 1700. Welcoming him in, Ken Silverstein. He joins us from Cleveland, our Big Ten Conference Insider. We'll get into some NBA and NFL with him as well. But, Ken, welcome as always. Let's start first. You attended the Big Ten Media Days. What did uh, Was this like a cameo appearance? Did you have to get up on stage and, 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 and upstage Harbaugh? Is that what you did? <laughs> No, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that at Harbaugh. No, no, no. I don't think Mr. Kaki has to worry about that. Yeah, I, you know what? I was talking to one of their people, and to let me, one of their middle managers uh, with the Big Ten conference. I don't even remember his name. I've got it written down somewhere. I guess it's not that important. The big scheme of things. And I was talking to him about what can be done to jazz this thing up. What can be done to juice this thing? Uh, because you know, maybe I'm getting too old and too cranky. But this stuff is really, really pretty boring, and nothing goes on, and it's the same format every year. And, yeah, I know it's, quote, quote, the quasi-start to the season, and that's good. That I get, but there's something there's something missing. I even caught a little bit of the BTN coverage and taking nothing away from those guys. That kind of was slow and methodical, so... I don't know. I don't know if there's anything that can be done, but at least it's on my mind that it, it would be nice, you know, maybe move it out of Chicago, maybe maybe rotate it yeah. to other cities. Maybe that might not be a bad idea. I don't know. I'm not smart enough to tell you. All I know is the thing just sort of rolls along at a very low pace. <laughs> I got you. Here's the thing that I gleamed out of there, even more than listening to players and coaches, okay? That there's going to be a big fight coming up with BTN and Comcast. And Fox, as we all know, has ownership of the Big Ten network. They, I think it's 51%. BTN owns 49 so that would also apparently impact Fox Sports 1 as well. In this state, we don't have Comcast, but from the standpoint, Ken, of the rest of the nation and the rest of the blueprint of the Big Ten Conference, this could get really nasty. Look, you've, you've been around these before. And, I mean, it could be a case where Big Ten Network's not being carried on Comcast when the season begins. Yeah, and, and Delaney is going to have a heart attack. Now, I'm not wishing for that. I want him in good health. Um, but you see what I'm saying. Yeah, you cannot lose eyeballs, okay? And I don't – I took a gander at the map of the Comcast coverage. I don't have it in front of me, so I'm doing this from memory. So I'm going to be a little goosey here geographically. Um, as you just mentioned, it's a no-can-do in Iowa. In the state of Ohio, I don't remember it having any. If it does have any, it's a very small footprint. When I think of Comcast in general, I think of Interstate 95 corridor. I think of Pennsylvania. I think of Virginia. I think of Maryland. I think more, uh, it would affect Rutgers, Maryland, maybe Penn State. I'm not sure about PSU, but in general, in a very, again, I don't have the map in front of me. I'm doing, I took a look at it. 
Right. Honestly, I didn't spend hours looking at it. It took maybe 10, 15 seconds looking at it, but just from memory, and I'm getting too old at this stage of life, sometimes I forget things. But in general, it's a problem. It could be a huge problem, but I think the commissioner's got to look at it as a big picture. But if you're just asking me where I think it affects most, I think it's in the Northeast Corridor, and that would be the schools I just mentioned. Again, I may be missing somebody, but in, in general, I think that's the, uh, the uh, footprint of what might be the biggest issue, and it would be a big issue. You cannot, in today's world, where social media, TV, et cetera, drives everything, you, mm-hmm. you cannot potentially lose eyeballs. You just cannot have that happen. And so the lawyers are going to get rich. The billable hours are going to climb, and somebody, I'm not prejudiced, he, she, she, he, don't make a difference, is already beginning to figure out how do we put this back together again, what can be done to save this, and maybe even more importantly, how can we improve the relationship so this isn't an issue, uh, I don't know, a couple years, let's say, down the road. Jim Delaney, uh, he is obviously at the forefront of this. He's either 69 or 70. I don't have his exact date of birth. I just know he's born Mm -hmm. in 1948. So retirement's coming at some point. Do you have a name or two that that you would be pointing to to take Mm. over what are some big, big shoes as commissioner of the Big Ten? Well, I tell you what, and obviously I have no idea what he's thinking about. I don't think anybody else knows other than maybe his family uh, how long he would want to continue. I do know one thing, going back to Jim's question, you would go the Comcast. He ain't going nowhere until this is resolved, okay? So I don't think he's retiring soon uh, because this is too big of an important issue. And remember, he was the one who drove the, the Northeast Corridor. He's the one that drove Maryland and Rutgers. He wanted, he wanted the Philadelphia market. He wanted D.C. He wanted Baltimore. He wanted New York City because of Rutgers and, well, lack thereof at times, influence in that area and then Maryland with both D.C. and Baltimore and Philadelphia sort of in between. So he ain't going nowhere, I don't think. Michael Wood health is good. He looked good uh, there. So i got to believe he's got to resolve this, get this taken care of, and then we'll see down the road. In, in regards to an individual, he or she, that might be viable, um, I don't have a name off the top of my head, and I would also say that this is such a primo position that, that they would be smart to look nationally. Uh, and that would include the SEC, ACC, and everybody else. Um, I don't know if I would automatically assume that it would be somebody roaming the hallways in the corporate offices of the Big Ten. It might be. It could be. But i got to believe that there is someone in the SEC and the other major four conferences that make up the Power Five that would look at this job and say, you know what, that's for me. That's something I want to take a bite out of. So eventually it's going to occur because he's not 25, 30 years old. But to say so-and-so would be the leading candidate, no, I don't want to go there because I really don't have a, an idea. Um, I know the last couple, well, maybe not commissioners, well, yeah, maybe commissioner jobs, have been people who've come from outside of the conference in general and some of the more recent, like Nebraska's AD position, he came from what, Washington State, if my memory serves yep. me correctly. Right, um, yeah. A couple other of the AD positions that have opened up recently, they've hired from outside 
didn't hire from within. So you really can't, you know, if you think of this as an interstate and you're thinking of this as what exit am I going to take off of, uh, you know, let's say Interstate 70, let's say, or Interstate 35, um, I don't think you can assume that it's going to be the first exit on the on the freeway, meaning higher from within. It could be, but I, I think it's fifty fifty, maybe maybe even less than that. There seems to be a trend today, uh, gently a trend of looking outside rather than looking uh, uh, inside. Not always the case, but it seems to be leaning in that direction just a little bit. Let me uh, follow up then. Did you gleam anything at all? From the news conference with the coaches or any of the players, Ken, was it uh, a case in point that you said, oh, now that's a tidbit of information, or did you get nothing? <laughs> Kirk was Kirk, I'll say that. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> I tell you what, you could play his tape, and I mean this in, in all kindness, seriously. The names change, okay, because they have to. People graduate and, and move on, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, but everything else is the same. Um, Antonio is the same way. I don't want to just you know, point a finger at, at, at Coach Ferry. Did you like uh, uh, Did you like Scott Frost's comment about uh, we want to start playing uh, territorial rivals again? And he named Iowa State and K State. Yeah, that wasn't bad. Yeah, he he had a little bit of energy, and I and I, I throw plaudits in front of him because he's new, and this was new for him. So I think he was a little excited. But guys like Coach Ferentz, Urban Meyer, D'Antonio, and others who have done this more years than they like to think about, it's it's pretty tough. It's I mean, it's not like uh, you know Chinese water torture. Okay, it's not. It's please we're getting we're getting paid to do this stuff. So uh, and they are getting big bucks to attend it because they're head coaches and and obviously they're making a lot of money as the head coach in the Big Ten. But no, um, yeah, there was the Brian Hartline stuff, and obviously today he was named. Interim wide receiver coach at Ohio State, and um, so that was his big deal. Those were like first three, four questions to him. Uh, Harbaugh talked about expanding the college football uh, bowl system, or not the bowl system, but the championship series from four teams to many, many more. Okay, I happen to agree with him on that. I think his number is a little high, but uh, we've talked about it ad nauseum uh, where that should be hopefully in the foreseeable future. Um, Antonio was boring. Kirk was Kirk. Um, Frost was good. Um, Paul Chris was Paul Chris. Now, I'll tell you what. You could take Paul Chris, Mark D'Antonio, Kirk Ferentz, seriously. And if you had blindfolds, okay, and were in the back of the room and couldn't really hear it really, really well, you'd think all three were interchangeable people. Seriously. Okay? Hmm. They're literally clones of each other. I mean, it's pretty... Pretty mundane stuff. And, then they, you know, look, I get it. Some of it's their personality. Some of it is, you know, they don't want to tip their hand. I get that totally after all these years. But, um, yeah, in general, there wasn't a lot of earth-shattering stuff. From the player perspective, these kids are coached up to make sure they don't say anything too stupid. And for the most part, I can't think of anybody, unless you guys caught something I missed, um, but, but, but I can't. Think of any. Think. No, I really nothing jumps out of me. Seriously, nothing uh, jumps out of me um, from a player's standpoint. I thought the ones that I attended, I thought they were uh, the kids in general, and they are kids at least to me, were impressive. I think the schools picked the right individuals. It is a reward 
uh, for them, and that's uh, and that's a good thing here here to the uh, uh, to the kids, young men, whatever. Um, so yeah, everybody, uh, you know, no one got back on the airplane or in the car, or whatever, and said, you know what, we brought the wrong kid or kids. Um, I shouldn't have said that. No, I don't think there was any. That. These guys are really good. They got this thing down to a routine. Okay, they know what to say. They know the cameras are rolling. They know BTN's carrying it live. Um, they know, you know, they're going to do some radio interviews and newsprint, and they got this down like a T, guys. Seriously, to a T. So it looks like, according to a report from the Chicago Tribune, what was looking to be a upcoming bowl game for the Big Ten is off at Wrigley Field, the point mm-hmm. of contention. Uh, Wrigley wanted it, and the uh, commission with them wanted to get the third or fourth choice out of the Big Ten. Big Ten was not willing to give a team that high in the bowl pecking order. Good thing that the Wrigley Field bowl game is dead, or is it, this a blow in your mind to the Big Ten bowl lineup? Well, I think they got a little greedy, and that's what you're hinting at, or they're hinting at, um, you know, with the fourth team, I think it's a little high. Uh, I think if they were down around maybe six, uh, it's a more doable thing, I think. Uh, but I think it's something that can be revisited down the road. I don't think this is something uh, that can't uh, uh, be um, looked at again. Um, but part of me also says, and I don't know about you guys, do we need another one, quite frankly, seriously, numerically? But then on the other side of the coin, Wrigley is such a great venue, and it would be unique having it there. Obviously, we've had Illinois and Northwestern uh, play there over the last uh, couple of years, and uh, it's kind of a unique look when you watch it on TV, you know, with, with well, the Ivy ain't there because it's wintertime, but you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's a unique look visually. So I think it's going to happen down the road. I think everybody sort of got a little greedy probably on both sides of the table. Okay, fine. Let's table it. Come back down the road. Maybe you fudge a little bit in regards to the seating. We'll maybe maybe give up a little bit on our end. We'll meet hopefully in the middle. and You know, we'll do something that our politicians don't do, and we will accommodate both sides of the table, and we'll be able to, uh, you know, work this thing out. So I'm not, I'm not personally bummed that it's gone, um, but I do think there's a chance down the road that they can revisit it and, uh, you know, uh, roll it out with uh, some fanfare and, uh, you know, give the kids an opportunity to play it regularly because it would be a unique um, and has been a unique uh, football venue. Ken Silverstein is our guest here on the Big Talker 1700. Ken, college football still uh, a month away. However, the NFL is getting ready. Camps are beginning to open up. Where you live now in Cleveland, the Cleveland Browns, with the number one pick in the draft out of Oklahoma, quarterback Baker Mayfield, Heisman Trophy winner. And is Cleveland, at least right now as camp opens, are the Browns, despite what happened with Josh Gordon not going to be able to play, are they going to take a look at Des Bryant? Do you believe that that would at least fix that until Gordon comes back? Yeah, I I think there's a pretty good chance that it occurs. Uh, Des isn't what he was three, four, five years ago. Um, But, you know, he is an option. I think it's a viable option. I think he's lost a little little speed at this stage of his career. Uh, But I think as a short term or even if he plays one more year he gets a nice payday and they use him as a 
I don't know, maybe a third wide receiver of Josh Gordon, the, uh, the knucklehead that he is, finds his way back to uh, Brown's camp, uh, then I think, I think Brian or somebody like Brian makes uh, a bunch of sense. Because right now they have Jarvis Landry, who they picked up in a trade from Miami, and he's got about 400 receptions in the last four years. And as a slot guy, there aren't many better uh, than him. Um, but uh, other than that, they got a lot of question marks. So does Bryant has a resume? Is he a player that he wants, or is he the player he wants? Was no, not even close. But he's probably better than what they have. So it would not shock me. I'm not saying it's going to happen today, tomorrow, but it would not shock me if he ends up uh, here because his clock is ticking. Also, he knows camps are opening up today and so forth, and he needs to be in camp. So if he's going to be Cleveland or somewhere else. He probably wants to be in in the next, I would say, two weeks or less so that he can uh, show people uh, he's got some gas in the tank and, uh, you know, start playing exhibition games and uh, the Hall of Fame games coming up uh, sooner than, uh, than we'd like to think. And before we know it, everyone else is playing on a Thursday, Friday, and so forth. Going to be a good time. Looking forward to it. Ken Silverstein joining us. Final thing for you, Ken. Let's finish with some baseball here. And, uh, Again, as a Twins fan, I was hopeful they win 9 out of 11 going into the break. And uh, they subsequently come out of the break <laughs> losing three in a row to the Kansas City Stinking Royals. So yeah. this thing is over, even though there's 10 games remaining between the Twins and the Indians. As we go up to the trade deadline, what's still on the wish list for Cleveland? They need one more bat. They need a right-handed hitter. Uh, they would like an outfielder, preferably a center fielder. Adam Jones with Baltimore. Uh, I think is their number one candidate. Now, he is not the player he once was. Likewise, numbers are way down over the last year or so. Um, he's a free agent, in my memory serves me correct. Yeah, he's a free agent at the end of the year. So they won't, they won't be dealing or inheriting a lot of money in the big scheme of things. So I think right now uh, that they will add someone. I don't think it's going to be anybody uh, that's going to set the world on fire, but if they can find somebody that they can plop in center field with Michael Brantley in left and a platoon in right, then I think they feel they've improved it just a little bit. If they can't, um, they're going to win the division. Uh, they're not going to get home field because obviously Boston is going to have home field. My guess is Houston will have the second best record. Uh, third best record would be, well, most likely the Yankees. The Indians would be battling either Seattle or Oakland for the fourth best record. So, you know, they're going to have a tall mountain to climb, uh, to get deep into, uh, the playoffs. But right now, yeah, they're looking for an outfielder, right-handed hitter, definitely. And in a perfect world, a center fielder. Adam Jones would fit. There are some other candidates out there, but I think he is or has been. Their number one choice. Important security message. Uh, Your computer has been locked up. Your IP address was used without your knowledge or consent to visit websites that contains identity theft virus. To unlock the computer, please call support immediately. Please do not attempt to shut down or restart your computer. Doing that may lead to data loss and identity theft. The computer lock. It's picking up just over the last few hours. There have been some minor moves. Uh, mm -hmm. So we'll see. And Trent, looks like Minnesota's going to be making some moves. Looks like Santana might be moved. Mm -hmm. um, Lynn, the pitcher, may be moved. Uh, there may be some other pieces 
being moved. I think Minnesota is going to be busy over the next uh, uh, couple of days because I think they know what you know. They're cooked, <laughs> at least for a wild card, and they're thinking about 19 and beyond. Ken Silverstein is our guest. Quickly before we let you go to the uh, NBA, no longer LeBron resides in Cleveland, now on the West Coast. But the Cavaliers went out and gave a hefty contract extension to Kevin Love. So they are going to build around him and uh, rookie guard Colin Sexton. Okay, I'm good with that. However, in that extension, Ken... There is no clauses in there about trades. In other words, a a no-trade clause does not exist in that. Could this be a move, selling Kevin Love to get your ticket holders to buy in and come around the first of the year, they ship Love to Los Angeles to play with LeBron, and they get... Ingram or Kyle Kuzma and something else in return. I'm just throwing it out there. You know me. I'm always, <laughs> oh, I'm always, lo- I'm always that's... looking ahead here. Yes. <laughs> well, it's a six month window, so let's do the math. Yes. We're roughly today is what the 26th of July. I'm correct in saying that. Yeah, tomorrow is Friday the 27th, and this was done a couple days ago. So let's do the math. August, September, October, November, December, January. Six months is January in the 20s. So just for conversation purposes, they can't trade them until roughly January 23rd of 2019. Right. Now, that's interesting because the trading, the trading deadline is about two weeks later, okay, in February. Um, that makes a lot of sense. This is what, this, first of all, I would never have done this deal, okay? It's too long, okay? He's, he's, he gets hurt every year. I wouldn't have done it. I would have blown this thing up. We're going to put all that out to the side. What they're doing, you're on the right track. They are praying he doesn't get hurt. Man, oh, man, they're going to get religious. Number two, what they're praying is his <laughs> numbers are going to go up because he's going to get a lot more touches because LeBron's right. gone and before that Kyrie's gone. He went from the third option to being the number one option. So he's going to be scoring 22, 23-ish points a game rather than 17 a game. They're going to try, I think, even though they're going to deny this, until, well, whatever, you fill in the blank. They're going to be denying this. Jim's definitely on the right track. They want to stock high, see how they're playing. If they feel, you know what, we're not going to be a playoff team, or if we are, we got no chance to get out of round one. Oh, looky here. It's early to mid-January. Let's start calling people with a trading deadline coming up a few weeks later and the six-month uh, moratorium ending on, let's say, January 23rd. We can trade them, maybe not to the L.A. Lakers, but trade them to wherever, get back what we want, and start to build or rebuild uh, from there. So even though they will never, ever, 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 ever admit to that, Jim's on the right track. It may not be the Lakers, but there's a pretty good chance of that. No trade, and the way they work the contract, because it's not a total max deal, some team, particularly if they think they're closer, a playoff team will look at it and go, well, we got him for X amount of years. The money is not max. It's less than max. Hmm. We inherit a no-trade deal likewise. Okay. It'll end up being an attractive contract if they want to peddle it in late January, early February of 19. So you are definitely, oh, my goodness, you are one cynical individual, but you are very close to a bullseye. Wow. Wow. 
First time I've been right in like 15 years. <laughs> I was going to so. say, I, I thought there was silence there. <laughs> yeah, I know. Out. I was stunned. I was shocked. I thought you were just, yeah, I know. I thought you were just going to tell me, oh, just piss off. You're stupid again. But you <laughs> no. didn't. I thought no. that was nice of you. No, I, I think it's a, it's a cynical look. But after all these years of doing this, you are as cynical as I am. So, look, they're never going to admit to this. But knowing these people as I do, yeah. The, the, now, again, he could play well. Maybe they surprise people and they say, you know what, we're not going to trade him in late January, February. Maybe we'll see what we do in the playoffs and maybe trade him during the summer. That's very possible also. So the key, and you hit on it, is he did not demand, or if he demanded it, he didn't get it. So he has no trade clause in his deal. After mid to third week of January of 2019, they can trade him to anybody they want at any time they want. So pretty team-friendly. It's a lot of money, okay, to you and I and everybody listening, because we're not all making $25, $30 million a year. But in the NBA today, as sick as it is monetarily, it's a pretty well-negotiated deal from the Cavaliers' perspective. He gets length, he gets cash, but he doesn't get everything else that you would think a player, a five-time All-Star, would get in his deal. He didn't get it. Ken, thank you as always for joining us. We'll do it again next week. Look forward to it, guys. Have a good weekend. Ken Silverstein checking in with us as we take a look around the world of sports with him. Quick timeout. Back with more on the other side. It's Jimmy B and TC. Welcome back, everybody, as we get set to wrap up our number one. Trent, let me just kind of give you an opportunity here to pontificate about how busy you're going to be again tomorrow with, once again, at Principal Park and all of the high school tournament action. What do you got going here now, kid? Yeah, we'll be uh, abbreviated show tomorrow as we'll bring you the state semifinals in Class 4A Game 1. It'll be Urbandale, the number two seed, as they take on Western Dubuque. Very talented Western Dubuque squad. Uh, they have a sophomore, their catcher, who also pitched in their opening round win over North Scott yesterday. Uh, he's already committed to play at Ole Miss, already committed as a sophomore wow. to play down in the SEC. And as good as he was as a pitcher, I've heard behind the plate, the kid's just unbelievable. So really looking forward to that one. This Urbandale team, they've been good all along. You remember them back as little leaguers as they made, made a run out to Williamsport a few years back, and now these kids are in high school and playing at a really high level. That'll be 5 o'clock with our first game with Urbandale and Western Dubuque. And then wrap things up at about 7.30, the estimated first pitch with West Des Moines Valley, the number four seed, the Tigers, for the fifth straight time beat Waukee yesterday in the quarterfinals. And tough to do, beating a team five times. They were able to accomplish that and move on. But it won't be Johnston, the number one seed they'll be playing. Cedar Rapids-Washington uh, upset the Dragons yesterday. So that'll be our matchup in Game 2. Valley Tigers trying to move on and get into the state championship game against Cedar Rapids-Washington. And then on Friday evening, 7.30, as long as either Urbandale or Valley advances, we'll bring you the okay. championship game in Class 4A. So a busy time, Jimmy B., no doubt. And uh, busy again this evening with a little Little League action I'm doing over for Mediacom yeah. and uh, calling the, the state competition for Little League teams looking to advance to Indianapolis and in regional play and, of course, the Midwest region that makes their way to Williamsport. So the road to Williamsport tonight, the road back to Principal Park tomorrow, and uh, you'll have a short show tomorrow, Jimmy B. I know you're pumped up about that. I am. Uh, last time we did that, you called me from the golf course, so that might be the same situation ah. again tomorrow, pal. 
Yeah. I, I see what you got up your sleeve, Jimmy yeah. B, part-timer, uh-huh. but that's okay. You're you're <laughs> retirement age, so that's all right. <laughs> Not a big uh, deal. So, someday I'm hoping to be there within the next oh, 30, 40 years or so. It's it's good to be Jimmy B sometimes, you know? There is no doubt. So uh, yeah. well, we're going to come back here on the other side, and uh, we're going to kick off the 5 o'clock hour. Zubin Mahente is going to be here from ESPN, and we'll talk – some football with Zubin. We'll get into a couple of different things. But, Jim, he had a chance to meet Keith Oberman for the first time. And Oberman's been back. Right. Did a great job on Sunday, I thought, uh, kind of splicing in some of the old stuff with him and, and just hearing him back on SportsCenter. I'm a Keith Oberman fan, a, a Keith Oberman sports fan. He's so good. He is so talented. And it was great seeing him Sunday night back on the TV screen. I'm with you on that, and uh, I've run into Keith many times back in the day uh, when he was still working at ESPN in the in the early 90s. So from that standpoint, it was great to see him back on, and he is a unique talent, difficult to deal with. I, I've, I've never really worked with him, but just what I've heard from inside the staff, a difficult guy at times to deal with, but a tremendous talent. And if you can get past the difficultness, then you start to appreciate how good the guy really is. We'll get into that and a whole lot more with Zubin Mahente. Coming back on the other side with more hours still to go here on Jimmy B and TC.